This is High Stakes from Gerard Inc. I'm David Schifrin with Gerard Inc. This week is a conversation with me, Kevin Kearns, and Sean Evans. Sean is an executive coach and advisor who specializes in organizational performance and leadership. Among other previous roles, he spent years at University of Colorado Health in the Organizational Development Group. Prior to striking out on his own, he was Senior Vice President of Performance Excellence at the system. He holds a PhD in Organizational Performance and Change. Kevin is a Vice President here at Girard. He previously worked for Sean at UC Health, which is how we made the connection. Kevin also holds a doctorate, his in Organizational Psychology. So with those backgrounds, who better to talk through how leaders and by extension their teams and organizations can approach change, making it sustainable, manageable, and relatable for all involved. I'll let you know that when we recorded this conversation, the internet was not having its best day, so there are some audio hiccups, and we have done the best to clean those up. So, Sean, we're really grateful to have you here on the podcast and get your time and insight. So, welcome to High Stakes. Thank you, Kevin, for making the introductions. So I think we just, we jump in and Sean, you are very focused on this idea of, of performance excellence. You are an experienced healthcare leader. You do a lot of executive coaching these days, helping leaders maximize their work and their teams. So give us kind of an overview of your perspective on, on what performance excellence means. And then we'll go into kind of how that applies to leaders guiding their organizations through big change, shifts in industry trends, which of course we're seeing so much in healthcare today. Yeah, performance excellence. And I've taken a bunch of definitions and a bunch of processes and defined this over the last 20 or 30 years. But I, I just, to, to, to really condense it, it's just a balanced approach to sustain success. And there's a lot packed into those five or six words, but it really focuses on a, a lot of different things that leaders and organizations need to be doing and being aware of uh, as they're working through their day-to-day -day stuff or whatever they're doing in their organization to able their organizations and themselves to have success for a sustained amount of time. And I think that really probably leapfrogs us, Kevin, into the conversation today about how leaders are dealing with change and how there's, a, there's this constant maybe stress or this constant perception of leaders that they're always having to, to work through these levels of change. And there are definitely strategies and ways that, that leaders can, and things that leaders can do to, to work through that better. Yeah, I agree. I clearly would say that the adding to the predictability of what's going to help you be successful, truly at the kind of root of operational excellence, right? How do you get rid of the stuff that potentially gets in your way or literally gets in your way and you're doing it intentionally? But how do you actually stop and say, what's going to help us be successful in a predictable way? Because that's going to bring more comfort no matter what you're facing. Yeah, I, that's it. And I think that the good news is with all of that stuff that there are people and there's organizations that are, and there are things that have been done and done well. So leaders don't have to go through this on their own. They're not on an island. I, and, and that's probably the, one of the things I preach a lot is, look, I know this is tough, leading change is tough, but you don't have to do this alone. There are ways that you can do this, Kevin, to your point, techniques and skills and things that you can do and try that can really help you and the others get through it. So please reach out and please continue to have the conversations. And I think that's what we'll talk about today is some of the things that, that work well. Before we get into some of those resources, let's take a look at 
the organizations, the perspective of the people to whom change is happening, the people being pushed around by all these different forces. And the challenges in healthcare are well known, but there's a lot and it's constant. And we've talked about this before with there's sort of the constant drip of small changes and there's these ongoing big changes. So how can organizations think about making these changes in a steady, consistent, sustainable way without key stakeholders losing confidence in the underlying fact that the hospital is continuing to fulfill its mission, that the hospital is continuing to, to be stable? I think there's a lot of things. Question, David. It's a really good question. And the one word in that question is confidence. How do either leaders maintain their confidence or how do people within the organizations maintain their confidence and that leader's ability? There's all kinds of things that talk about establishing the why. We can talk through that stuff, but there's another thing that I want to throw out here. It's really centers around that word confidence. The thing is to for organizations to have a well-defined, well-disciplined approach to identify what the change is and actually going through a exercise to understand the change, understand the process and understand all of it. So lean, we use lean in organizations for process improvement. It's a, a fairly well-known activity. You can use the exact same process and have the exact same group, type of group with the, with the same intent in defining the change. And ultimately, what you're doing, you're trying to let people know in the organization, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go through a change, but we have a process by which we can see what this change is gonna do, what it's gonna mean. We look at it all the way down through the organization. We've taken some time and we've actually made it a point to understand the change well before we even announce it. It's actually it's change management process, but it really is of allowing people in the organization to know that there is a process to this, that this is just a, isn't something just randomly came up, that the organization is not trying to do this to make people's life hard, but that there is, has actually a lot around this. I think just when people understand that there is a process and they, they trust the process, so you have to be open and transparent with it, uh, that goes a long way into instilling some confidence. Yeah, Sean, I would add, I, I would say that trust is a big part of that, right? Not just trust in the process being followed, but trusting the individuals to lead it. And if you're typically not starting at zero, if you're an existing organization, you're either, if you have relationship equity to a certain degree, or you might have a deficit, right? And understanding that, and sometimes you can have a, a well-defined change plan, but if you don't kind of pay attention to where are we with our people and their ability and readiness and confidence in trusting us, maybe we need to come up with a way to clarify a reset, why this is different, why we are doing it this way and our commitment to where we're going and how you can be a part of it. Otherwise, if you're increasing discipline and people aren't like bought into that, that just seems like more work, right? That just seems a little bit like you're just forcing us to do these things. And besides, we're not going to be doing it in two months anyways. And if I hold my breath, this too shall pass. And so I think that the confidence in the people leading it and following through with these great ideas is an important piece of that. You actually said something else in there that I think is incredibly important. Leaders probably need to be thinking as they're going through change a little bit, is this really necessary? Really some time with the question, because I'm telling you, you only have a certain amount of time of messing that up before that equity is gone. Right. 
once that happens, we've all been there. It is almost impossible to build up, to build back. So spend some extra time on the beginning, like building a house. Spend some time on the foundation, please, before you go picking out colors for the room. But uh, I would say in healthcare, it's even more important than a lot of other industries because you have really smart people doing really important work, both in terms of for the patients and communities, but then also themselves as professionals and the difference they want to make with their careers. And they'll gladly smile and nod if you're looking at making changes that they don't care about. And then they'll still do what they want to do, right? And you'll wonder why the change didn't come together. And a lot of it is because you didn't really build the, the confidence that we're doing this together and it will make it better. You didn't take the time to understand the changes you're trying to make. And what's different this time, right? We've tried change before. This isn't the first change. What are we doing differently this time to actually help it stick and make the difference that you promised the last 10, 15 changes? So in, when I work with military, they always have a group and their, their job is to tear down the mission. And there's all different terms for that group. But in organizations, we now use a similar process and we call it red teaming. And so, Kevin, you're going to come up with this great or actually, let's use me. I'm going to come up with this great change and I'm going to outline it well. I'm going to turn it over to you, Kevin, and your team. And your job is to go through this and tell me exactly where I screwed up, what's wrong, what am I missing, what am I not paying attention to, and what do I need to be doing better. And as a leader, I need to have enough humility to trust you. I need to have enough confidence in you as a red team member. But that is one of the most insightful things an organization can go through when they're leading change is before it even gets announced, before a communication plan gets announced, before anything gets announced, red team the process. Please do that. And you will... You can start addressing potential issues way ahead of anything. And to, Kevin, to your point, that's what's, hey, this is what's different now. We've learned and we're trying to address some of these things in the, in, uh, before we even get going. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Please understand that. But we're trying to be better to uh, value your time better. Yeah, I love that. Doing that in the first place allows you to understand how to not misstep right out the gate. Like sharing, hey, we're going to do this, getting met with eye rolls that, weren't actually necessary or required in the process. We just didn't address it. That's exactly right. And the other piece of red teaming that's brilliant from a psychological perspective is you bring people onto that red team that are going to be key players that you think are going to be key players in that change going forward. And also people in an organization, we all know who they are, that when they leave the meeting, they're the informal influencers in your world. And you want them a part of the process. And you want them to see how the sausage is made a little bit and really be a trusted member and a trusted advisor of that group. Because then when they leave and they're, they're talking among the water cooler, if they're still water coolers, that's an old term, but whatever. And they're like, hey, what about this change? Yeah, you know what? I've been a part of that. I, we actually have gone through it and really tried to make this. So they'll become your biggest advocates. And then your communication plan and everything else that follows is huge. But it's all part of that plan. It's just a, it's a brilliant strategy as you go through with a change process. Yeah, you use the street cred from the individuals that may be skeptics. Other people will listen to it differently than just, here comes Sean Evans selling what we have to do again, right? That actually gets to another part from a leadership perspective, Kevin, that you and I have talked a lot about, is that as a leader, the intent is to go from point A to point B. 
you don't have to control the entire thing. It's actually better if you don't. And in fact, some of the stuff that's going to happen in between point A and B, you're never going to be able to predict. So your job is to facilitate the process. However that works, you don't have to be necessarily the face of it the entire time. You don't have to be the engine driving it the entire time. You facilitate this process and that may that could mean a thousand different things, but that's the important thing of a leader. And guess what? You may never get credit for it as a leader, and that's okay. As long as the organization went from point A to point B, I think the best leaders are like, okay, that's great. Let's go on to the next thing and, and, and go forward. Sean, when you start the process of these conversations, specifically red teaming a change, but anything, anytime you're starting from zero, right? You're going to have people who are coming from different backgrounds, from different experiences, and there are going to be people who are skeptical right off the bat. And so you have to build that trust and reset the language and reset the expectations. So in situations like that, how do you come in and say, okay, I want you to tear down this project. I want you to give me, you know, your brutal feedback. And I really mean that. Like, it's not punitive. There's not going to be repercussions later. We've got to get this right. It's critical. And you see some leaders who do this really well. And so you have to be um, vulnerable to an extent. I would come into the meeting and say, hey, y'all, we're in a spot where we need to make a change. Here's why I think we need to make this change. Here's all the content around it. Um, I'm also going to tell you how I approach change. And I think from a leadership perspective, this is huge because how you approach change is usually how you lead it. Doesn't mean it's how other people want to be led. I say, look, when I approach change, I just say we need to get from point A to point B and come hell or high water, we're going to get there. So my approach is Katie bar to the door and get there. Then I say the next thing, I know that's not how everybody else approaches it. So I want to have a conversation today about your approach to change. And just I just want to listen to what you're saying. And then I want to say, I'm really intending it to be authentic. If the impact is anything different, please let me know. But my intent here is to say truly thank you. So that's how when I lead change, that's how I do it. I'm very authentic. I'm very open and very specific with what my intent is here. Also know that the impact that I'm going to is not under my control. But if that impact is different, I want, please give me feedback. Then I see the next, some of you are going to be very comfortable, like Kevin. Kevin will be very comfortable giving me feedback in the meeting. He does it freaking brilliantly. He's really good at giving feedback. There are other people who may not be comfortable with me. I'm like, look, come see me at the meeting, text me, whatever it is to provide that feedback. So that's how I authenticity, vulnerability, intent versus impact. I think it's important for a leader to be aware that it's not going to go according to anybody's plan, right? They, what they say in the military regarding the map is never their terrain. And the intent, the impact, you're not going to know what any of it is fully. You'll know what, you're, what you hear and then how do you process and understand that. But even the best kind of guidance on what you're doing. So, John, you mentioned lean earlier. Lean is great methodology, and it doesn't always land really well in a sustainable way, and there's going to be endless amount of variables that influence that. One of the things I'll often see is people, like, cling to the tool itself, lose the insight that it's connected to principles, right? And then they try to tell people, no, you're supposed to use the tool and use it this way and as human beings, we all love autonomy. And if we don't get the opportunity to express 
who we are and give our kind of our own brilliance to a moment, we start to get frustrated and even great tools just get in the way, right? And we actually don't even consciously always think about it. We just roll our eyes and then it's up to you, Sean, if you're the supervisor, it's up to you to figure out everything that I might see as a barrier and solve it for me. Whereas if we're doing this thing together, we can figure that out together. Where, as you mentioned, I will share, hey, this is not really liking this, or it doesn't seem to be working as great as you said it would. Can we explore that? And if we're doing that partnership, it's going to go a whole lot further than, hey, Sean said we need to do this. He gave us this tool. Yeah, I know. I don't get it either, but this is what we have to use. And I don't think it's going to work, but we have to be able to say we did it. Otherwise, I'm going to get called out on the dashboard report. And I don't want to have that happen. Neither do you, because then he's going to come down to our team meeting and nobody wants that. To be able to be that insightful as a leader is huge. I'm always doing check-ins with the process and the tool, not just how the change is, the project implementation plan, but do process checks. I just I love it. Again, we're talking a lot of leadership here, and this is a lot. It takes a lot of confidence, not luckiness from a leader to be able to say, I don't know, help me understand. And that takes a lot. So I, I also understand that as well. Sometimes leaders feel to be perfect and whatever else. It's just, you don't have to be, first of all, it's, it's not realistic. Sean, you, you just talked about the, the confidence that leaders need to have. Um, and you said it, there's, there's a lot of confidence that require, that is required. There's also a ton of work that has to go into everything that we've been talking about so far, a huge amount of energy, a huge amount of commitment, and oftentimes in moments where there's not a lot of visible progress. So talk about, both of you if you would, how leaders themselves can keep themselves going, work through the pressure and stress of ongoing change. You know what, and, and this I think goes back to the beginning of our conversation, the resources, you don't have to do this alone, but talk about how you just get up in the morning and keep driving even when things are, as they often are, a slog. Uh, so I, it's interesting, about a few years ago, I was working with um, a group that, that operates gyms and health clubs throughout the, the United States. I was just, we were literally doing a walkthrough of this gym and, and it was... So insightful. There's a personal trainer there. She's maybe in her mid-30s and she's talking with the a person that she was training. And she said, hey, you need to see exercise as your body's ability to do these things, not as a punishment for the things you eat. So when you come to the gym, reframe it. Don't think of it as a punishment for this ice cream cone a, a little while ago. But instead, think of it as your body, a celebration of your body's ability to continue to do these things. So I, I, I just, it, it hit me as such a, an interesting thought. So now with leaders, we, I work with, we, we kind of work with reframing a little bit and look, see, look, I understand there's change. The opposite really stinks from an organization perspective. It's just stasis is dead. So you really, let's reframe this a little. Look, I understand putting a little bit of a, a lipstick on a pig on this every once in a while, but the ability for your organization to go through these changes and do these things is a celebration of the strength of the organization, celebration of the leadership, and celebration of the people you have, rather than a punishment for being in an industry sector or being successful or being whatever else. So that's part of what I do. And then the other pieces are, there are things as leaders that it's an opportunity, David, when you get to the point where you talked about where you got a thousand things to do, 
it's a great opportunity to be thinking, what should I be not doing? I know it sounds, it's an easy thing to talk about, but as a leader, this is a great opportunity. If you're overwhelmed and got too many things on your plate to start to develop some other folks and to start taking things off your plate. And believe me, there's always organizational capacity, even though people will say there's for other people to start doing these things. It can be hard as a, for a leader to go of the things that they are certain about in times of uncertainty, which the things I'm certain about are things I know how to do, even though maybe taking up a ton of time. But boy, you're not going to be able to get to the new thing that you're working on if you're being drugged down by the anchor of all those old things. But I think sometimes it takes a coach or friend or significant other or whatever else to be able to get inside. So that's my thoughts. Kevin, I know you have some some thoughts on this as well. So what I'll say is sometimes you have to let go of really good ideas that would be really cool and work out really well in order to do the things that are the most important, most critical right now for long-term success as an organization or even as individuals. So you have to stop doing stuff that is important. It does matter, would make a difference. But when you look at it in comparison, it wouldn't make as big of a difference for us right now and where we're trying to go. The great leaders are always doing an organizational assessment. They're always checking out the organization to see where they're at. What's the most important thing we can be doing right now based on whatever else is happening in the organization? And if you don't do that, then you're blind. And let's go back to the conversation we had at the very beginning. If you start making changes in an organization that doesn't have the capacity to do it, then you've lost all that leadership equity. And you just, you're just not seen as trustworthy and all the confidence that people have in you is gone. So Continuous organizational scan is incredibly important. It doesn't mean you don't do things if it's hard. It just means you have to change things around. And then I would actually say the, the idea of having a clear purpose of what you're trying to achieve makes it easier to do the hard things, right? And I think that helps you get through the, the difficult changes, but it has to be clear. And then again, you have to have support from the people around you and have confidence in the people around you that they're willing to go through that pain too. We use a communication process called what, why, what, and it, it's like a sandwich, right? And the first what, it, it, each one of these, each one of these things takes a lot of time. The first what is what are we trying to accomplish? And and usually you get somebody that's going to speak in theory or whatever else, but we force them to get very specific. The next one is the why. We talk a lot about why, it's whatever else it's been meeting the center. Why are we doing this? And the why is incredibly important. But the third piece or the second what is also incredibly important. The second what or the last piece in the what, why, what sandwich is what does this mean to me specifically? So you go from organizational level at the high what to the why to the second what, you know, what does this mean for me specifically? So that's the key. Everybody stops with the why and they assume people are going to make the leap to the what does this mean for me as an individual? They don't. And in fact, you're leaving way too much to chance. Second what, the third piece of the what, why, what sandwich is incredibly important. So then we can say what this means for you as an individual is this. And you can have a group tie that down. What that means for Kevin as an individual is whatever that means. But that gets to very specific. And that's thing at the end of the change process that actually helps people connect daily work to the larger change. But every almost every organization forgets 
third piece. What does it mean to me as an individual? And it's always different. It's different for every department. It's different for every level. And that's where you can actually engage other people to get in there and say, okay, we're doing this change. What does it mean for your department? What is this going to mean for the day-to-day work? Other piece, and I'll just, I'll, I'll shut up after this. The other piece that's incredibly important in change is to Focus on what is not changing as much as you focus on what is changing. It, it drives me nuts in organizations where all I hear about is this change. And we get this massive burden. And I, then I look and say, okay, if, a, if your job is 100%, what percentage of your job is going to change because of this? And it's usually like 2%, but we've taken 90% of our time talking about it. So everybody is just focused on this. The what, why, what, and the focusing on what is not changing is incredibly important for leaders as well. Because at the end of the day, most of our job is not going to change regardless of how big the change is for the most part. Sean, thank you. This has been fascinating. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation and uh, appreciate your time. Kevin, as always, thanks for jumping in here, for making the introductions and uh, hosting a great conversation. Great to see you again. Yeah. Hey, thank you very much for doing always inspirational. 